That's okay. At least you didn't leave your phone on. Alarms only. Alarms. That was man. All these ways to get to our attention. Sorry. Don't apologize. I'm just trying to make you guys look good. Yeah, I love it. This is A New Angle, and I'm your host, Justin Angle, marketing professor at the University of Montana. This podcast is my chance to speak with cool people doing awesome things in and around the great state of Montana. We are proudly underwritten by First Security Bank and Blackfoot Communications. Hey, folks, welcome back, and thanks for tuning in today. So, coming up on May 1st and 2nd in Bozeman is an amazing event called Athena Pack. This event brings together women interested in having fun, growing, and supporting each other. Today, I bring you a conversation with the creators of this great event, Kim Shapee, Jen Ewell, and Nicole Hagerman-Miller. Now, to be clear, all three of these women would be awesome pod guests individually. They do really cool, important work and are key members of this community. But today, we talk about what they've cooked up together. Athena Pack is a super adventure, super event, adventure, probably an adventure too, and I'm excited for you to learn more about it right now. Okay, so we're here today with Nicole Hegerman-Miller, Kim Shapee, and Jen Ewell. Ladies, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having us. Yes. Yeah. So um, excited to talk about your endeavor, the Athena Pack, and you're preparing for what, number three right now? Number three conference? Correct. This is the first year it's called Athena Pack. Is it? The, That's the, true, the yes. Change, it was, was the Athena Conference before that, right? Yes. Okay. What is Athena Pack? Tell us. The Athena Pack is a two-day women's leadership event based in Montana with the goal of bringing women from Montana and the Rocky Mountain West together to synergize and have face-to-face connection around best practices in leadership development, leadership training, community leadership, and how to lean into your community, whether that means political action or simply being able to rally troops for a family in need in your community. We're also focused on negotiations and pricing training, so helping women who are business owners do a better job of pricing their product and then also negotiate because closing the pay gap isn't going to be done unless women have a chance to be better negotiators and get Mm -hmm. paid better, and then also focusing on basic financial management for women. So a leadership event with women coming together where we focus on those four primary components. What did I miss, team? I think you got it. You got it. And I think a big part of it is also the, um, as Kim mentioned, the community in terms of the people who are in the room and how can the women in the room actually activate and help support one another. And that's a big component of it because I think oftentimes we're all operating in our own work, um, our own environment, and we're so in it, we're kind of head down, and you forget that there's other people that have been through similar things and have wisdom in the room, and that collective wisdom kind of like rises all of us together. And so that's a big part of it is is how do we um, really tap into the strengths of those who are around us um, to help us kind of achieve the things that we want and can achieve together. Sure. So before we get into how all this sort of comes to life. Let's talk a little bit about the three of you individually. Jen, so you're with the uh, Women's Foundation of Montana. That's sort of my entry point to your work. Uh, Tell us sort of uh, how you became involved in that organization, the role you play in it, and kind of what you saw missing that uh, this Athena PAC project is, 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 uh, is fulfilling. Absolutely. 
So I have been involved with the Women's Foundation for about eight years now, and I've actually been involved in women's leadership uh, work in Montana for most of my life. Um, and the Women's Foundation is all about economic advancement for Montana women and a brighter future for the girls in our state. So for us, I think that one of the things that we have recognized through our statewide research with women is that they really um, are missing the opportunity to connect across the state. So one of the things that... Connect with other women. Yes. With a, okay. Uh, yes, with lots of things, mm -hmm. but uh, definitely with other women is a big piece of it. Um, you know, what we found in our focus groups is that women would identify that they felt like they could access a lot of different resources. They could figure out how to get a higher education, um, for instance. But one of the things that was lacking was even if they did, um, you know, succeed in doing really well in school, that didn't necessarily mean that they were able to figure out how to get a high-paid job that would actually support their family or, for instance, start a business. Because okay. Partially because Montana is so rural um, and there's um, not easy access to the kinds of mentorship and networks that you might find in other places. Um, and so the Women's Foundation took it as a part of um, our work to try and figure out how we could connect women with resources and mentors. So a part of that for us is um, this Powerhouse Montana network mm -hmm. that we've created, which is an online platform to connect women to mentors and resources. Uh, but certainly the Athena Conference and now the Athena PAC is a big part of that work as well. Fantastic. Yeah. Okay, Kim. How about you? I have been working in Montana on women's leadership for some time as well. My background is in finance and right. banking, and I was lucky enough to help start a small private business bank in Montana called the Bank of Montana. And my time in banking has been very much part of a boys club, and I've been lucky sure. to be a woman in the room. And Jen is someone who made sure I pulled up a folding chair at the table if there wasn't a chair at the table for me, and I've been lucky enough to have champions like Tom Swenson, who is the main founder of the bank that I was a part of. He's always been an advocate for me and getting mm -hmm. me in the room and getting me on boards. And I was the youngest senior credit officer in the country during the Great Recession, to our knowledge, of a bank. And I was also the only woman that was of that age category. So yeah. I was going to all these events for bankers in Montana, Idaho, Washington, North Dakota, South Dakota, the Nevadas, and I would be the lone woman in the room. And I often got um, shunned sort of inadvertently from being at the table. And a lot of the culture is kind of around drinking sometimes. Let's go out for sure. drinks after yep. work. Let's go do this. Let's do that. And I'm like, well, I'm pregnant or I want to have a baby or like I'm really not into drinking right now. It's just like an interesting subversive culture. It wasn't like, let's go out for breakfast and talk about credit policies. Right. Anyway, um, my career transitioned into financial advising and wealth management, and I was able to go to some really fantastic national events. But after doing those events, um, there was a pain point for me in that I was doing it when I had a young child. And so I was traveling really far to these really high-end fancy events that if companies weren't paying for me to go to, there was no way I could have afforded sure. to attend. But attending those events really elevated my business skills and my experience, my negotiating skills, and then how I showed up for my team at work, and then truly with my family and community in terms of leadership. Having someone teach you leadership skills made a difference for me. So that is sort of my succession of how I got to where I am today with being excited about women leaders in Montana. Yeah, fantastic. Nicole, how about you? I mean, we got introduced, you were working on biomimicry. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's still in your portfolio of activities. Still is. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I primarily write my 
right now my work is primarily in the space of innovation and my role in particular is in operations. I am lucky in that I work for two women founders and I'm also um, essentially the CEO of a B Corp, which is a movement that essentially allows businesses to put other things besides profit as their main goals and are measured on that. So as you can imagine, um, social justice, equality, all of that is part of how we look at our operations mm -hmm. and our performance. So it's always kind of been on um, my radar as an issue, particularly in um, wage negotiations from some of my past work, but it really wasn't until Kim, um, we were talking about this issue that it really surfaced and the work that Jen does as like a major like topic of issue and concern and how we need to activate around that. Um, because in the bubble I'm in, you know, working for two women where like 70% of our company is women, you know, it didn't feel like I was fighting for a position. It was okay. more of like, I have this luxury, but in the world our company operates in is a little bit different. So my intersection with it was um, a little um, different in the sense that I could see this is how we as a company are, this is what we're kind of up against. Mm -hmm. um, and then coming it back to um, a Montana specific topic in the fact that um, I'm very passionate about the fact of people from who come to school here have to leave yeah. in order yeah. to have career advancement or you know there's this like common theme where it's like you leave go get a good job and then you know you get that portfolio and then you can come back and have a decent income and I was just like BS like that is not how it should be like we should have decent jobs here in Montana women should have amazing careers and be able to do what they want to do and we shouldn't let our location be um, like a, a luxury that we get and somehow that um, limits what we can do in terms of our career. So that's kind of what like pulled at my heartstrings mm -hmm. about this was the fact that I was passionate about um, women in Montana being able to have careers and making the impact that they want to make no matter what industry that they were in. So we're about to have year three of, of the gathering. What was, I mean, tell us about the first two years. What, what sort of, uh, how did it start? Like, how did you guys come together to launch this thing? Kim started it. She really did. I have like a very like vivid memory of like the first moment she talked about it. Um, which, do you mind if I share? Please. Okay. So we were on a river trip um, with a few girlfriends and she was kind of sitting there describing I'm not sure if we had cocktails in hand, maybe not, but we had some sort of beverage, I'm guessing, in hand on the side of the river. And she was talking about it with full passion, as if you know Kim, she's very passionate about a lot of things. Um, and was like, you know, like, God damn it. She probably didn't say God damn it, but it was like, I'm sick of traveling to all these events. And I think she had just had maybe one child at that time. Um, and you know, there's so much that we can do in Montana. Like, why do we have to travel to all these places? And I really feel like, we could have this kind of conversation and really um, accelerate what's happening here in Montana. And I, and I want to do it. And I remember looking at her and I was like, you're right. Absolutely. You should. And so I'll help you. So there was nothing <laughs> happening like this. And you had to go 
elsewhere, foot the bill, take time away from family. I mean, that's a drag to have to do all that. It's, I mean, if you can travel and you love travel, yeah. it's, I would say it's like a socioeconomic privilege yeah, to exactly. be able to do it. But can you imagine if you're a rural Montana woman who's trying to figure it out and lean into our community and doesn't have those sort of resources? But I even think there's a sort of there's like an awareness factor too. Like even if you can't afford it, mm-hmm. if it's so far away, if it's in the big city, or if it just seems so abstract, it might not even become on your radar screen. Like oh, or there's be sorts relevant. Of, yeah, that there's these sorts of opportunities out there. Yeah, I think that's a good point. So first two years, right? Incredible <laughs> challenge. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean, you're making something from nothing. Yeah, it yeah. truly that startup business cycle that we've all been in, but to do it together and then with so many. Um, big personalities and trying this is a big state and Jen yeah. can talk about this better but trying to get someone from every part of the state to come and represent different communities and not have anyone be left out and then also bring one of the things that I think differentiates our event is we try and bring world-class talent to Montana sure. and it's the largest line item on our budget is what we pay for speakers and so getting the talent to Montana has been amazing but it's also really hard and means we're on the phone at like all hours oh, yeah. pitching and cold calling and trying to get people to come and that um, is a lot of work absolutely I mean what was sort of what's the craziest thing you had to do to get somebody to come I mean you guys asked me before we started recording like hey how do you get guests and how do you, what's your strategy there and so like who are some of your dream invites when you were cooking up this idea like we're gonna get such and so here we're gonna do that uh, we have a long list of dream invites yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just looking at the the guest list for this year, and it's it's amazing. We'll get to that in a few minutes. But like, who, how'd the first year kind of come together? The first year, I think we put together in like three months. Mm-hmm. It was insane. Wow, three months. Yeah, that conversation on the river happened in June, mm-hmm. and we did the event in October. Yeah. So you were able to get a venue, get guests, get financing, all that stuff, and boom. Hustle. Yeah. yeah. Hustle, exactly. And sometimes that works to your benefit. Like, I think that was a big learning in the second year. It was like, okay, the first year we just made it all happen right. because we didn't, well, one, we didn't know. So we had a little bit of naivete mm-hmm. to our benefit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it sometimes um, works in your favor. Yeah, but the second time, I think we we even planned for all the timing, but then there was all these new variables. And um, as, you, as you learn with events, I mean, uh, it's always like, how do you make it bigger, better? And so, of course, we were like, two days. And then, you know, when we stretched it from one day to two days, there was a whole new set of, yeah. of variables there. But um, I would say the the learning curve, it, it, I mean, every year it's something something new. But I feel like the third time around, like the second year, I think, was a big learning curve for us. And I think this year we're capitalizing on some of that a little bit or leveraging some of that a little bit. Um, it's The feedback we got the second year was that our event was – much better than the first year, though. Okay. So that felt really yeah. rewarding. And uh, you had some return customers, I guess, too. Like quite a few return customers. Yeah. yeah, that was great. Um, the other thing, just in terms of asking about what speakers we were able to get and how to get them, yeah. so funny having we all work in these different overlapping circles, but to have, like for me, to follow people from the finance industry, and then Nicole's world is so fun and tech and innovation-based, and then Jen's world, she knows about a lot of leaders that we might not have on our radar, same with Sarah. Um, it's really fun, but also can be hard because we're all pitching speakers at the same time. Yeah. And then I'd be like, I've got a call with Glennon Doyle and Abby Wambach. And she's like, well, I've got a call with the COO of Google. And I've got this person that you've never heard of from Carnegie Mellon who's amazing. Um, how are we going to fit them all in? Sure. Okay. And and 
well, gosh, I mean, those those choices have to be. It's it's sort of like a when you're overwhelmed with choice, it's it's a luxury, but at the same time, it creates difficult management challenges. It does, but I would say it organically works out, right? Because like to have like five all star speakers, yeah. like you've got to ask twenty. Sure. You know, so it it so far. <laughs> it's working out because I think that's just how pipeline conversion works. Right. You know, you've just you've got to put a lot out there. And I think what's exciting and fun about all of our backgrounds is that we have such a diverse network, but there's a really clear intersection of all of them. Um, and I think that's part of what we see happening in the work in terms of like social and environmental, you know, all these like topics that are of interest to everyone, like they're they're all starting to kind of merge. Yeah. Um, and which makes these conversations incredibly dynamic um, and allows for, a, I think, a lot of um, benefit essentially to come out of them at a local level. Sure. A New Angle is underwritten by First Security Bank and Blackfoot Communications, two cool companies doing awesome things all over Montana. Hi, this is Mike Morelli, director of the Entertainment Management Program at the University of Montana, and you are listening to A New Angle. I also think, and then I'll let Jen interject anything, the theme of Be Bold, Be Luminous, Shine Theory, and then our theme this year of Being Brave. I'm on this kick right now that with courage, there's always been a little little bit of rage in it mm-hmm. and this kind of event came out of a pain point right like it was like sure. why can't we do this here why do we have to go so far but the idea um of bounce and persistence together and bounce is maybe a turn from daniel um to sell as human that book is so good but the idea of like getting rejected a lot like i get rejected a lot right now um related to the work with athena and trying to find great speakers or special discounts on venues and promotions and being able to get back up and have bounce again and then have teammates mm-hmm. that are going to pull you back up when you've kind of been beat down a little bit and the theme would be brave like we are being brave in our actions i'm trying to put this together and hope people come yeah mm-hmm. and so let's shift gears and talk about this event coming up may 1st in bozeman and second First and second. Okay, yes. so we're on the two-day thing. Mm-hmm. Done. <laughs> okay, May 1st and 2nd in Bozeman. You've got some incredible speakers lined up. Tell us what uh, what somebody can expect in that two-day experience. Okay. Um, well, a lot uh, is going to yeah. happen. Um, <clears throat> but there's a couple things that we're driving towards. One is that we want women to feel like they just have space so often. And I think this is... J- like true to everybody like we go through these motions like to the next to the next to the next mm-hmm. and there's like no pause um i recently heard this line like between stimulus and response there is a pause and take it um and yeah. i think as women in particular we are constantly on the move trying to um whether it's between job and family career community whatever and so there's there's very little space that women take for themselves where they don't feel guilty. Yeah. Um, and so what we're really trying to create is two days that is just for you. And the first um, two days were really, excuse me, the first day we're super excited because we have two workshops on topics that we think are utmost of important. And one is, of course, finance. And the second is telling your story. In a, in a world that everything is driven by social media and presence and communication, how do you tell your own story so that... Um, people listen and you can effectively communicate. Mm-hmm. So um, that's kind of the, the first day, the workshop flow. 
However, if that's not your jam, uh, we've also really created a space where you can come and learn about how to write your bio, how to um, have um, conversations with you know potential employers and sure. um, get a headshot, a professional headshot done. A lot of people don't even have kind of basic, uh, I think, um, portfolio building things such as that. Yeah, or wouldn't even know how to go about doing it. Right, or it's too expensive yeah. or whatever it may be. So the so that's kind of the, the first day. We've also collaborated with some local um, businesses in Bozeman to offer discounts for people who just need a little retail therapy sure. or whatever it might be. Um, so that's kind of day one. We have what we call a birds of a feather dinner where people, we have kind of topics that we uh, – that are somewhat curated around either finance or communication or strategy. Uh, And so uh, people choose what dinner they want to go to. They go out to dinner. And then the second day is really like our full um, day of curated content where we have keynote speakers. And then kind of our flow that we've tried to um, work hard to keep is that we have a, a speaker, but then we also on the back end of that have space to then integrate what that speaker talked about. So if you hear someone talk about mission, vision, values, you know, that's all awesome and you get excited, but then it's the next speaker and then you don't actually have time to digest, marinate or do anything about that. So what we're trying to do is have someone, and what we are doing is have someone talk and then actually have the white space to do the work to integrate that and create an action flow for what are you gonna do once you leave here? And that's been integrated throughout our whole day. The other thing that we've integrated is actually like creativity. Um, there's little space in our environment today for creativity, and creativity is such a huge part of like how we advance as humans. Um, so we're doing a lot with just you know having space to you know make some sort of a keychain, for example, sure. something really simple, um, or having someone walk walk us through a dance or watch a visual performance of um, of performing arts. So just things that actually um, activate and stimulate different parts of our brain that we don't get on a regular basis. There's a question kind of occurred to me as, as you were laying that out, Nicole, you know, that a lot of reasons for this conference to occur, I mean, things like it happening elsewhere that are too hard to get to, too expensive, too distant, whatever. But Kim, something you also said about, you know, you were often the lone woman in this world that was very male oriented and also created by men. So it sort of rewarded male behaviors in many ways, whether it's going out drinking or just sort of the body language around the table operates differently. Are there things about sort of the traditional conference model that don't work for the way women interact and learn and grow? Is, is that is that something you've thought about at all? Mm. Well, if you're a parent and you don't have time to step out, yeah. to help with the emotional load. Or for me, I mean, I hope this is okay to talk about it. I'm assuming it is, but totally. it was the breastfeeding. It was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to this conference with all these men and I've got to pack this big bag and I've got to have a concierge freeze this milk for me so I can bring it back. And I, I can't be in meetings back to back. Like I need right. to be able to step out and have a space. And I'd say in the last five to 10 years, it's become a lot more common to have a nursing space or a storage for milk space, uh-huh. uh, which is wonderful. Um, But then I also think that we have yoga in the morning, we have trail running throughout the day, we have really good food at our event. And then the coffee and connection is different than a lot of the 
events I've gone to and these two have heard me talk about it, it's like almost always an ex-military person speaking or yeah. an NFL or NBA star that comes to tell us the Prototypical story. Prototypical male kind of totally. story, yeah. And I really respect those people and think those are wonderful stories, but there are other stories out there that weren't being told that for some reason left me feeling like a little disenfranchised. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes me think too, as you were saying, I think the other thing that we experienced as part of the event is that the women that come everyone in that room has an incredible story like just because the person on stage is speaking doesn't mean that their story is better or more exciting than the than the person in the room and what we really tried to figure out and we're integrating more this year is how do we give a platform to the women who are in the room who have a really important story to tell or have wisdom that they can share to other women in the room that could really benefit from hearing their story. Um, And I think that's something um, that we're fighting in as a culture is like the loudest voice kind of gets heard. And so how do you enable like the collective wisdom of the group to um, to be heard? And I, and I think that's something we'll constantly, because like you can't have like 200 women talking at all at the same time or you know 200 <laughs> speakers, but it's, it's something we're trying to kind of create that space for. Yeah, I mean, it makes me think a lot about like politics, for example, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, a, it's a game that was sort of created by men and tends to reward male behaviors. Uh, loudest voice in the room for example Mm -hmm. one of those behaviors that and then and then when we have groups that are you know traditionally less advantaged or minority in status they tend to feel like they sometimes have to play the existing game better Mm, whereas maybe that's a bad game yeah maybe there's better game to play or and we should play it differently things like that i mean Mm -hmm. so uh, what you're doing makes me think of like what are the what are the assumptions that just needs to be totally thrown out in the way that the, the, the sort of male-dominated world is structured, business, finance, storytelling, whatever it is? This is a small anecdote that I think is relatively applicable. Finance is so interesting because women are often less confident than men when asked about their investment knowledge. But then when someone goes back and back tests how much knowledge does each party have, women often have just as much, mm. if not more knowledge than men. And something that's fun about this event is when we talk about finances, usually we have different tables and women end up sharing their own stories. And I've found that women are much quicker to share, like, I'm stressed out about this financially or I'm excited about this from a wealth management perspective than men. Like, they're much quicker to usually Mm -hmm. unveil what's really going on there. involved in it, I think. Don't you think? Once there's a group. Yeah. How does that work? Talk more about that. Well, I – well – it's it's more of like, as long as there's someone brave mm-hmm. in the circle. Um, and I think we've found that like in the group that, that are there, once someone shares that, then it kind of opens the conversation and it becomes kind of like that safety in numbers element where like, oh, she had a really shitty experience too. Like sure. I can now talk about mine versus like, we all have to pretend we're perfect and we all all got it buttoned up and we're all like rocking it in our own worlds and not like dropping a beat you know Mm -hmm. and it's just like as soon as someone says well man i'm really missing it on all these places then it's like oh it's not perfect how how (laughs) who takes the first leap here like is is taking the first leap going Mm -hmm. to athena pack or or just are there things that 
you've, well, you've tried to create in the experience that f- facilitate these sorts of openings. Let me touch back. Can I touch back on shine theory really quick? Or do you want to talk about shine theory? Yeah. Because I think that's a big part of what the message is that allows that space to happen. Yeah. Okay. Well, what I wanted to speak to is this. We know from research um, that if women are in an environment that is primarily women, there can be some men there, but if it's the majority men, then they're far less likely to speak up. If it is a group that is primarily women, women, at least at this point in history, are far more likely to both speak up, to share, um, especially to share stories and more and more personal information, which is what we're talking about, which is really what's necessary. They're more likely to be vulnerable, I guess, is what I would say, um, which is where we need to be in yeah. order to grow. And so I think that's the space that we try and create together, mm-hmm. is a space in which women are celebrated for who they are, um, where all voices get heard and not just, you know, the loudest voice. Um, a space where we welcome um, innate wisdom and are educated by each other. And from that, we create our own community of support, the Athena Pack. Um, and Shine Theory is basically just the idea of that, of celebrating each other um, and shining a light on what's brilliant in each of us and inviting that to the table so that together we're not missing out on unrealized potential. And so the Shine Theory, has this been a guiding sort of philosophy of the of the event from the start or is this something you're sort of leaning into more this year or how's that has that kind of evolved? I think it's been around since it's the been beginning. Since the beginning. It? I know Kim really has was it? a big driver of it. Um, and we talked about it as, as a shiny conference. And I remember one of my favorite moments was when her son came into the conference and was like, is this all the shiny women? <laughs> because Kim had been talking about how women need to, you know, be shiny to yeah. one another. Um, so I think Kim's really been a good leader in, in integrating that from the very beginning. And I think it's such a nice thing to talk about with other women to just lay it on the table. Yeah. And, you know, being candid about your finances, but also saying who are the five people that you spend the most time with and are those people helping you be better and are you inspired by them and do you leave those encounters with fantastic action items for goodness or do you leave feeling a void or sad or anything less than wonderful and where is that coming from? One thing I do want to touch on is I don't know if as a culture we've given men the opportunity to be vulnerable around their finances. Mm. Like I can, yeah. I just can't imagine me going to that conference right now where <laughs> all the men that are financial managers are going to talk about their poor financial performance last sure. year and how that went. But I think women are doing a good job of embracing that there is strength and vulnerability and then how can we help men make that an okay dialogue? Well, that goes to the point of, you know, just because this is the game that we've been playing for years and years and years doesn't mean it's the right game or a good game or mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't have the right incentives or all those things. Paternity leave right there. My husband gets yeah. such a hard time in his community, which is his work community, engineers, that he stays home a certain day a week or that he's going to lean in and take the kids to school or do something around healthcare and sickness yeah. and why am I not the one doing that, his wife. And I'm always surprised by that, but we need men that are going to stand up and come to the Athena conference event in the Athena Pack, because yes. uh, it's not something we're going to do alone. How many men have come to past events? I mean, no, I know you're, you're you talk about being very open and encouraging to, yeah. to all, people who identify with all genders mm-hmm. coming. What's typical kind of attendance profile? So we've had a good amount of male speakers who have been wonderful. And then usually I would say like 5% yeah. attendees are male and they're often taking care of their wife's child, like, you know, the family child and their wife is attending and they're mm-hmm. coming 
to help out a little bit and they attend what they can and sort of audit, but then they also leave to yeah. go to the park. Is that fair? That's fair. And I think we throw a fabulous cocktail party and we have um, a few of our kind of, uh, I would say, part of our network, men who support the work that we're doing come to that. And I think it's a fun um, dynamic to have um, men who particularly are advocate and who are saying, what do we do? to help this and those are the men who are kind of showing up and, and having a voice and so it's um so we always encourage them to participate as as well yeah another question i have is and the three of you seem like you you run totally counter to this this sort of observation i have but I noticed in workplaces social settings that often women aren't supportive of other women in ways that mm. they can be. Is that something that resonates with you? I mean, there's a, there's a form of competition that I've observed in organizations amongst women that um, is different than it is amongst men or between men and women. And it, it it's not always as positively oriented as the, the culture you're, you're describing in the event in the world that you're trying to create. Well, I would say there's kind of two things to that. One is that's what shine theory is trying to address. Okay. And the kind of the the glass, is it the glass cliff? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like those two theories are... Glass cliff. Interesting. Yeah. I've heard of the glass ceiling that's yeah. well known. Glass cliff. What's that? The glass cliff is that women are elevated to positions of power in times of duress or stress. Hmm. And then women are less likely to be successful in that leadership position because they've been given a sinking ship usually. Uh, and the recession is a great example of women were elevated to leadership positions and then they were inherited companies is or the theory entities. that that's are, those are explicit elevations, like set these women up to fail, or is it just sort of situational? I think it's more situational, Jen. Am I wrong there? No, I would I would say, yeah, that it's more situational. Okay. But I do think it's an interesting sort of cultural phenomena. Um, I just think that a lot of times organizations and companies are in a place when they're in dress that they're willing to maybe hire in a, in a way that they wouldn't otherwise. Yeah, okay. You know? so That's reasonable. Thinking maybe what we need is something entirely different. But unfortunately, a lot of times women step in at that moment in time when, you know, they're role in their job is so much harder than it could be. Um, So, yeah, it's been an interesting piece of research that came out in the last few years. So I think going back to your question, it's um, that's what we're trying to that's what we're trying to change. Okay. Is because like if if women at the table and um, I think with Shine Theory, instead of trying to compete against that person, it's saying Kim, that was a really great idea in the, you know, if we're in a meeting and Kim suggests something and then five minutes later, a a male counterpart suggests the same thing, but the room only hears what the male says. Mm -hmm. It's my job as the other woman in the room to make sure that that was Kim's idea. So to to do that, I think the the women of the Obama administration were a big kind of driver of getting some um, spotlight on this, but to say, like, as soon as Kim would say something, I'd be like, Kim, that's an excellent idea, and like reinforce it right away. Okay. So that the everyone in the room knows that was Kim's it's idea. It's on the record. It's on yeah. the, yeah, and then it can't be like someone else taking it because we've all been in that situation where you say something and then 10 minutes later someone says the exact same thing in their room. It's like, yeah, that's great. And you're like, <laughs> but I just said that, yeah. you know? <laughs> And so I think with Shine Theory, it's it's supporting that so that as women, we're, we're recognizing that was your decision. But I think it also kind of has to, um, it, it has to come back to 
there's more than one position that women can go into. And I think that's what drives a lot of that non-collaboration is like, there's only one position for say all three of us to go into. So therefore we're competing and we're not, it's, we're not motivated to elevate one another because then that's my, you know, so it gets, it gets women in a really awkward environment in that they're competing against one another, but essentially they should be collaborating and there should be more um, career opportunities for women to evolve into versus trying to compete with one another. And I think that's a lot. I, I That's what I see drive a lot of the competitiveness versus the collaboration is that this fear of only having one opportunity and it's the other woman in the room who's going to take it. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Scarcity. I would say, yeah, it's an old model. It is. To me. The I think one it's which, changing. The one in which women felt like, oh, maybe there's only going to be one woman hired. And so mm-hmm. it's either going to be me or you. <laughs> and I think that's changing today, you know, as a culture yeah. and, and um, amongst women. Um, because I think we can together imagine a world in which there's enough space for all of us and enough abundance for everyone to do well and to support each other. And I also think it's that modeling the way in terms of being a fantastic leader and you have to inspire a shared vision. So being articulate about what is the vision of the future where there's enough room for everyone. And then also talking about shine theory and ways to operate so that people can model the way in their own organizations or communities or tribes that, of course, there's enough room. Yeah. So registration closes uh, April 14th. The conference is on the first and second Let's talk about, you know, I don't want you to necessarily single out guests as ones you're particularly excited about, but yeah, let's single out some guests. I know Whitney Williams is a keynote speaker. I know the, is it the the head of sustainability at Lululemon is, Mm -hmm. I can't Mm -hmm. recall her name, but who are some of the highlights that you're really excited to bring to Montana and and share with your, with your audience? We're really excited about Ali Bomback, okay. who won Sundance in 2018 for the film On Her Shoulders. Mm-hmm. So that should be really fun. I'm, I want Nicole to tell you about Tara Nicole Nelson. And then we're bringing in Bethany Dufour from Pennsylvania, Philadelphia area. And she has a lot of experience at Georgetown University and Babson College, my alma mater, yep. doing formal leadership training. And she's a wonderful, wonderful speaker and dynamic person. And something that we found the first year is that just because someone has exceptional credentials and experience doesn't mean they're a great speaker and doesn't mean (laughs) they can lead women from the stage in an activity that's going to help them drive change. I work at a university. I'm familiar with this phenomenon. (laughs) Yeah, it's so interesting. And we were all so disappointed at times to be, oh, like that message didn't get across. So Bethany delivers there and not only the messaging, but helping people put that into action in their life. Will you tell us about Tara? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I was recently at a um, Women Changing World Summit and uh, saw Tara uh, deliver this incredible talk. Um, and she has her own um, kind of philosophy around writing and how spending 10 days just free writing okay. is this way to kind of support um, creativity and performance. And so she kind of has her own thing there. But she... Um, she does this really cool exercise, and I won't give too much of it away. Um, but in um, Game of Thrones, there's a woman, and I'm like the one person who doesn't watch this yeah, show. So forgive me. Okay, any. good, great. Um, oh wow, we're like. The- <laughs> okay. So there's a there's a character in the show. I don't know who it is, but she takes over other communities uh, or villages or kingdoms, as you will, 
And when she does, she adds their kingdom onto her name. So she mm. says, like, I am Nicole, um, you know, I take over Missoula, Montana, and that is, like, first of her name. Like, this, like it's, like, declaring, like, your victory and, like, this is what I've overcome and this is what I've done. I'm totally butchering, like, how amazing this is. But she kind of walks you through, you know, what are the things that you have done and accomplished and are so proud of? And um, what was so powerful in having do an exercise like this was then having the women in the room share it out. And I was just like jaw dropped of like one the eloquence of the the women in the room in terms of how they were able to speak to what they have done um, and what you know writing does to kind of support that yeah. communication um, and then just the like the sheer volume of um, impressiveness of, around each individual that actually spoke and I'm sure everyone in that room when you actually just take a moment to reflect to be like this is what I've done. This is what I'm doing. And I think we often, going back to what we were saying earlier, like we don't hold space for that at all. Um, so she's going to walk us through um, some exercises there. And then one of the panels I'm also really excited about that Whitney's going to lead is um, a Trailblazing Women's Summit. And we're bringing in some women who um, have had experience, who have a little bit more wisdom, over 50, um, who have been in the, um, who have established careers, particularly in politics. And one of the topics that we're really passionate about right now is um, how do we have empathy for people who don't think the way that you do mm -hmm. um, or who are in different um, social circles or have different um, values? And so how do you have conversations with people in, in those spaces so that you can actually um, be productive as sure. a society? And so we, we're really excited about a group of women who are going to come from both sides of the aisle and talk about how they've overcome these challenges, um, particularly in the political setting, um, because we do we do feel a sense of urgency, I would say, around getting women activated in, in politics. Fantastic. Yeah, so that'll be a good session. Yeah, and okay, so before we close, I want to know who should, who should attend? You know, who's your sort of prototypical customer that needs this? But maybe each of you could offer like, a notion or, you know, different persona of, of who would attend. Do you want to start, Jen? Well, I think the beauty of it is um, that I think women of all ages and um, sort of backgrounds and interests could really benefit from this. And honestly, uh, the experience is richer when we have mm -hmm. all sure. um, kinds of different women and men, hopefully a few men as well, um, at the table. So I don't know that there's any one. I think that um, what I would say is that if you are in a place where you feel um, like there is tra transition and possibility um, happening in your life, then I think Athena Pack is a great place um, to really make that happen as a sort of a, a space of catalyst. So that's what I would say. Excellent. I think it's important to do periodic life audits and look at like, how do I think I'm performing? How happy am I in these different realms? And if you're not at a 10, in every area. If you're not at a 10 for your career, 10 being the best, one being the worst, or zero. If you're not at a 10 in your relationship, if you're not at a 10 for family, 10 for community, and definitely if you're below a seven, I think this is a wonderful way to make some change towards moving towards that 10 and living a bold, big, exciting life. Super. Sorry. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I would add to that, um, that if you can come to a place where you are 
willing and wanting to be both a teacher and a student and can learn um, or wanting to learn, but then also wanting to share wisdom. Um, I think that adds to, to the collectiveness of the group and what we're trying to do with this community. Um, and I think if you just need like two days to like pause for yourself and be like, wow, I haven't done anything for myself in 10 years. It's time. Or two. Overdue. <laughs> take it. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's really designed uh, t- to really um, to be for, for you. Justin, sorry. One thing yeah. someone told me is that it's intimidating. And that was disappointing for me because we so don't want to create an environment that's intimidating. And this person had never been. And it was simply mm. from like reading the website. And usually that says something more about the person than the event we're putting on. Yeah. But we are like a very friendly event. Nicole attended Summit last year in LA. And she talked about this experience where you had to look at everyone in the room and walk around and hold hands with these oh random gosh, attendees so and not say anything and just stare into their eyes for 30 seconds to 60 seconds. Don't worry, we won't be doing that at our event. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but the idea of connecting with people, it's something I've been trying to do more since she told me about that experience, like looking at everyone I walk at or I walk past on the street and smiling at people and just mm-hmm. like searching for that humanity in the other person. And our event is very welcoming. So don't be intimidated. And I would say if you're in a place as well where you really are looking to um, create that kind of support group or advisory board um, to help you kind of move to the next level, this is a great place. Mm. Yeah, I building think. your personal board of directors. Yeah, this is a great group for that. So how do we? Uh, how does a listener learn more about it? How does a listener learn how to go sign up and, and commit and, and jump in? And Website is theathenapack.com or theathenaconference.com. We okay. have an Instagram can follow us there or you can reach out to any of us awesome we will post uh all those links on our show notes and i am super stoked about this um i hope my wife maggie attends i've been trying to tell her yes, trying to encourage her to attend do. i think you've met maggie Kim. i yeah. know maggie she's wonderful yeah i think so too um but yeah to your to your point like she fits the category of all these sorts of things needs to invest more in herself and in all those sorts of things um Super excited to, 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 to learn more about this event. Best of luck. And uh, hopefully in a few years we'll talk, be talking about year six, seven, eight, nine, ten, all of that. Thanks, Justin. Awesome. Thank you Thank so much you. for having us. All right, super. Check out Athena Pack. It is going to be awesome. Register, support this great work. Okay, next week we've got Emily Grassley, creator and host of the hugely successful Brain Scoop YouTube channel and the chief curiosity correspondent at the Chicago Field Museum. Emily stopped by the pod on her recent visit to UM, where she was honored at this year's Odyssey of the Stars, a showcase of all things happening at the College of Visual and Performing Arts. Thanks for listening to A New Angle. We really appreciate it. And remember that A New Angle was brought to you by CED, Consolidated Electrical Distributors. By now, you all know that they're big and they pretty much sell everything electrical you would ever need. But what you might not know is that they hire a ton of our students. If you want to learn more about job opportunities at CED, visit cedcareers.com. It's a great website name. Before we go, I want to thank some important peeps. Comzar, Elizabeth Willie, executive producer, Stefan Borsum, producer, Aidan Morton, and interns, Aspen Runkel, Max Gibson, and Ellie Hanasek. Huge thanks to VTO, Jeff Ament, and John Wicks for the tunes. And finally, props to Jeff Meese, our master of all things sound. Before we go, if you have any questions, suggestions, comments, insults, whatever, please email me at anewangle at umontana.edu. Help us spread the word and be sure to use the hashtag anewangle when you do. Thanks a lot. See you next time.